With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to WrestleMania Week here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. What's happening everybody and welcome to the latest edition of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, the only wrestling podcast where you'll hear about Finn Balor's abs, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and even the Great British Bake Off every now and again. <laughs> I'm your host Stephen Wilson and today there's only one thing that we can talk about, it's the thing that's on everybody's lips, it is of course Wrestlemania Weekend. Yeah, we're going to be looking back at some of the best action from over the last few days where there's been so much wrestling, it's hard to get in in an hour and a half. But we're going to be talking about NXT TakeOver New York, a bit on the G1 Supercard, and of course, WrestleMania itself. But before we do that, let's meet the panel who are going to assist with digesting this rollercoaster journey that was WrestleMania weekend. First, a man who looked sadder than Ricochet when he was told the ESSR sweeps were being split into two different parts this past weekend. He was even more upset when he realised he'd have probably won if the scores were combined. It's David Hockney. I mean... I'm not gonna lie, I was a bit disappointed when I lost the takeover. <laughs> but you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not even that mad because the big dog had his underdog story, and I was actually and uh, yeah, he got the big payoff. Fair enough. Fair enough. At least you never got yeah. told you were gonna be. It was between the two years for a coin toss, and it never oh, even went between the two of us even, for a coin toss. That would have been even worse. He, he got his payoff, he got some pedigree charm. <laughs> Available for sponsorship. <laughs> Next up is our version of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. A bit flat, predictable, and a guaranteed botch every now and again. It's Scott McLeod. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Scott, how are you doing? I'm still in recovery from WrestleMania, it's three days later. <laughs> I know some of us have been at work, Scott. You've been, you're, a, you're a student on Easter holiday. You can sleep. You don't know my struggle. Exactly. <laughs> you know me. As he sips his non-specific energy drink with three stripes on it. <laughs> <laughs> Available for a sponsorship. <laughs> and also there's a man who's had quite a fall from grace. A fall from grace equivalent to Batista's fall into the ring this past Sunday. <laughs> from interview Rudolph Lightning on Sunday to debating... With our version of the Stooges tonight, it's Ryan Gallagher. How you doing, Stephen? You alright? Yes, I'm good, thanks. Good. I'm still angry about that takeover sweep. I thought I had won it on a coin toss, and then I wake up the next morning to find out that it's not mine. Shocking. You were like Jericho in 2000. Horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you put a McLeod in charge of a sweep. Well, yes. Never again. Well, look at me, it wasn't me that done it. <laughs> You're to blame in some way. Well, it was one of these. <laughs> And we can't forget someone who this past weekend became, well, no longer was classed as the best thing to come out of Ghana. In fact, I don't think he ever was. Nor was he ever the second best, or the third. And let's be honest, he struggled to even get into the top 30 million. It's Kwaku Ajin. 
Yes, uh, thank you very much from the man who is the rat of Bell's Hill. And that's saying something. Um, I really wish the king of Bell's Hill, Strack, was here instead of Stephen, but oh well, it is what it is. But you're not going to rain on my parade on Kofi Mania. I like Kofi Mania, despite the slaggy. And Strack's not even from Bell's Hill, he just lives there. Imagine fighting over being the best man from Bell's Hill. <laughs> I don't like being the best man from Clyde Bang, not much of an achievement. Which is me. <laughs> Or the best man from Scotland. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> Moving on, so we're here tonight to talk about uh, WrestleMania weekend. <laughs> I, like, I like how I like how we were all slagging each other, then we unified to slag day. <laughs> I went doing like a Spartan church, didn't I? Um, so if you want to catch us on all the forms of social media, we're at Suplex Retweet, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. For our back catalogue, go into your chosen podcast platform and search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. While you're at it, we also have a nice website, suplexretweet.com, where you can catch all the stuff we've been doing, plus lots of random gibberish. You can find some of the stuff Dave blogged about five years ago that still get searched yeah, no. by people in some random parts of the world. What can I say? My, uh, my blog posts are hidden treasures. Yeah, hidden, as in I put them in the far, far regions of the website. <laughs> but enough about the website, let's talk about Mania Weekend. And we'll start where the weekend started off for most people. It was the spectacle that starts off most weekends with a bang, well, whenever it's on. It is NXT TakeOver New York. Now, I'll start with Ryan on this one. Ryan, um, what show TakeOver was this past Unbelievable. Friday? Unbelievable. Once again, you know, it's a show that I look forward to. I was looking forward to it more than WrestleMania. We'll get on it later on how I think that might have actually turned for once. Um, but NXT TakeOver is always outstanding. You know, them guys always put on a far better show week in, week out than your main card do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking forward to that one. And it certainly lived up to the hype. Yeah, Dave, it's a five match card, mm-hmm. which you got, when you compare that with WrestleMania in retrospect, the five match card, 16 match card, the G1 was maybe was about a 10 match card or well, something. But 10 or 12 matches, including the pre show. 10 or 12 matches on that card as well. Five matches is a harder thing to do, but NXT TakeOver, again and again, do it spot on. You know what? The thing about NXT TakeOvers are less is more and simplicity is key. Mm-hmm. Like, there were no overly convoluted storylines going into this, uh, into this show. It was more just either. I want your championship and I'm going to beat you for it. And yeah, that was basically it because all the matches were title matches. I know, it was, I think it's one of the first takeovers they've done that ever, I think. Yep, five title matches. Well, because yeah. um, the fifth match is usually just like a like just a regular 1v1 with no, ta- with no championships, but the alternative this time was they had the UK championship on instead. Yeah, five, as I said, there's five top matches. We're going to try and go through them as, quick, as much as we can. Uh, Scott... <laughs> um, it's an argument that's kind of went on since the match happened and since the show happened. Um, Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole. Two Baby. <laughs> wow. Stop that, man. Jesus, I'm going to throw stuff at you. <laughs> you can't uh, help himself. <laughs> I know he can't help himself. Uh, yes. A lot of people are already classing it as an early match of the year contender. You think this is an argument as well, not just for that, but for the greatest match in NXT history? It's, it's definitely up there. Because like, I remember saying, going to this show, this takeover could easily be one of the best of all time and you could really see that going into any takeover and for me this was a good match I only we were all giving it ratings and I gave it like four and a half and the only reason this wasn't in my mind a full five is because like I know they were building that was what they could use the two falls for to build the engine until the last match where the tension was at its highest but for me there was just some parts of that first fall that were a bit too slow for me so that took me out of it 
I'll say where we get back into it. And I think this match just goes to show how well they structured it because the crowd goes from being so split to by the end they're so behind Gargano. Yeah, I think you're right about the first fall. Mm-hmm. The first fall felt really slow. Uh, it was kind of well it followed on from the the four way, which had more of the shock factor of who won the four way rather than yeah. the actual mm-hmm. conclusion. So, um, did you would you agree with that one, Ryan? That they kind of when it got to the third fall, especially that's when we kind of saw them take center stage. Aye, well, I had said on the, the previous show for this that I wasn't entirely sold on the match mm-hmm. because I thought two out of three falls. I think we all agreed that that was a, a match for the kind of culmination of a storyline where these guys never had a storyline mm-hmm. because of Chamber's injury. So, you know, it kind of came out of nowhere and I thought, do you really need to have two out of three falls? The first fall, I felt kind of dragged on a wee bit. I would have liked to have seen that going a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we say, by the end of it, totally invested. Like Scott said, the crowd were right behind it for the third fall. And I actually thought it turned out to be a, an outstanding match. It was brilliant. Uh, David, they had a... A very U Japan sort of feel, you know. I know, I know you like you study these U Japan matches. Because, like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's not the never... only Japanese thing he studies. <laughs> he's a big, wow. he's a big player of sushi. Uh, <laughs> um, there was so much near falls in it. You, you, you kind of felt every time Johnny kicked it. Johnny kicked it. You're like, right, he's gonna get it, and then they, they just kept hitting him, and it's like Cole's gonna eventually beat him. But he just kept yeah. kicking out of everything that was thrown at him. Even the third deciding fall. I was having a heart attack at every near fall because <laughs> I I like Gargano and I like Adam Cole. I think that's what I like about these sort of NXT matches. And I think um, it was mentioned before on the Greatest Takeover show mm-hmm. uh, that um, you know a good match convinces you that it could go either way. Like a lot of people had an inkling that Johnny was going to get it, but there are a lot of times where you're thinking, "Oh my God, Adam Cole's going to get this!" Like with so many last shots and the Panama Sunrises. It, Oh, it I, was, love his, it was, I love his Panama Sunrise version. Yeah, it was so well done. It was heart stopping as well. But going to what Ryan said about the first fall being a little slow, yeah, that is true. I think maybe it was a little bit slow at, to, to start off, but I think it was justified in the fact that I remember I said, give these guys 30 to 40 minutes and they will absolutely tear the house down. And we had 38. 30, 38 minutes, 25 seconds. 38 minutes, yeah, exactly. And the third fall alone. That was just enough to they say. Could have had the, if the third fall alone mm-hmm. was highly regarded, I'd say. But it's there's just so much. And I quite liked as well how we got the actual conclusion mm-hmm. to the Gargano Champa story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good. I don't know if any of you have watched it yet. There was the, the table for free that was released. I've uh, seen that I've seen on, advertising. I've, yeah, I've not watched it yet. This week as well, um, where we had the, it was Cole, Gargano and Ricochet on it and Cole was t- they were talking about the watermark I don't know why we talk about the watermark so much beware the watermark that's uh, era they were actually there was, there was they talked about Adam Cole the watermark came off and he debuted <laughs> there's a point where actually where Gargano goes oh I hate that and Adam Cole goes I don't know what you were talking about for a minute there <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry to talk about the first fall like, as slow as it was I did like that the finish to the first fall came so out of nowhere. He had the roll through into the last shot, and then immediately Gargano's got uh, Cole's got the first fall. And as I've seen in the future, that's what needed to happen because Gargano's at his best when he's the underdog. And I always believe the face should lose the first fall in a two at three falls match because mm-hmm. he should be able to battle from underneath. And then Cole wisely tapping out immediately to give Gargano the first fall because not always because you can have it where the heel 
use as an illegal weapon or interference or loses a fault by disqualification and then uses that to capitalize and then win the next fault. That's yeah, what yeah. I was predicting was going to happen. I thought Gargano would get the first fall by like DQ or interference or whatever. Yeah. And then... Like, it's like what uh, Brian did to Sheamus in 2012. He got the DQ but he did enough damage he could easily pick up the same fall. It's just the reason I said it should always be the face that loses the first fall is like your heels should never be at a disadvantage because like the players of the heels should always be trying to get an advantage and that's why you should be rooting root against them. Would this be top five all time NXT takeover matches? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It would be right up there. It's a fantastic match. If you've not actually watched it, you've got to watch that match. It's an absolute clinic. Speaking of a clinic, we've got, we had one in a different stop, sort of style with the UK Championship match between Pete Dunne and Walter or as they call him on the American one, just Walter. Um, <laughs> Scott, you are the you seem to have became the resident NXT UK man for the, the Mirror wrestling yeah. team. Um, <laughs> this was just two guys beating lumps out of each other, but... I love this. This is the match I was looking forward to the most. Like, this and the main event, easily, like you said, these are early contenders. These are matches we'll probably be looking back to come December as possible match of the year contenders. And the whole thing was, it made everything made sense in my eyes. Like, Walter dominates Pete Dunne like nobody else because like in order for him to show that he's worthy of ending this long reign he needs to be dominant and Pete Dunne was putting all these thoughts like constantly going back to what he knows with the fingers and then he also has to pull out more high flying stuff than he usually does because mm-hmm. he just needs to pull out all the stops to beat this guy because he realises this guy's beating the hell out of me like nobody else and I think he even realises he's at a bit of a disadvantage. See, it's interesting you said that. It's one of the, the matches you look forward to the most, and it's one of the it's the one that you rated five. We are actually doing our attempts to do a Dave Meltzer here, and we've rated all these matches. Um, well, we didn't. I could have rated six, but that's going too far. You said hours are fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, Quacko, however, you were the other side of the spectrum in this particular <laughs> match. Uh, can you count an argument the one Scott made? Yep, unpopular opinion time. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie, I'm not completely sold on Walter. Or Walter. Really? He's got such a presence though. I know he's got a presence, but I can see where he's coming from. Where because I've heard people for the last couple of years go on about this guy and and I think when he was announced for ICW that mm-hmm. time, I seen everybody going absolutely mental for him, so I thought I need to go check him out. I looked up online and with back out there was nothing that I seen that was out of the ordinary. You know, I think Pete Thank Dunn you is a far better all-round wrestler. I think yeah. he's more talented. I think he's got more charisma about him. You know, I understand the point with Walter being the, the big guy, um, and it's a classic wrestling big guy. You know, you think he's going to beat up everybody he comes up against. But I, I liked the match. The match was really good. I, I enjoyed it. I've, I think I've scored it quite highly as well. Yeah. Um, he did prove me wrong in the match, but as a, as a top guy, I know loads of people love him. I just, I'm not... I'm not feeling it. Dave, what's your thoughts on Volta? Do you know what he actually kind of reminds me of? He kind of looks a bit like Vladimir Kozlov when he first does it. He looks a bit like him, but... Yeah, well, he's a, he's a, bit, more he's competent, a more competent Kozlov. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the match itself, I, I didn't have too many complaints about it because I was expecting quite a, a hard-hitting clash. But at the same time, I was also expecting Volta to sort of dominate most of it and think, we've got this, this champion who's been going for 685 days. You would expect that for for the shock factor to be absolutely beaten down in squash fashion by Walter, but this was a very sort of back and forth style contest. And again, that comes in with the psychological factor that a good match makes you second guess who's going to win. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of us 
were predicting Falter to win. Yeah, like, and I think it's good that they didn't squash him because, in a way, by proxy, he kind of makes everybody that Pete Dunn's kind of beaten over the last year and a bit look a bit weak by comparison. Like likes of Coffee and Jordan Devlin, like like how these are maybe some of the best in the world, and yet they couldn't beat Pete Dunn. Yet Walter squash him. So if these guys then go up against Walter, it takes you out of it. Like, bring, how can it, you it bring the exact same problem they've kind of had with Dunn? Yeah, a lot. Dunn had that idea of how they, who's actually going to beat this guy. Yeah, so they brought Walter in. So by having not having the squash, mm-hmm. well, I actually thought they were going to squash him. See, for a long part of the match at the start, mm-hmm. I was actually thinking, no way they're going to squash this guy because he was putting up no offense at the start. He was getting beaten. All, I know that happens in wrestling. You know, the guy gets knocked down by a bigger guy and he eventually fights his way back, and then it goes one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But I, I genuinely thought for a period of time that. He was going to get squashed. No, I think people know that would be unforgivable, though. It would. I, nah, I don't think they could have squashed them. You know, it's I the fact that it's on a takeover as well. Like everybody is getting a really good spotlight on them because one other stat I picked up from the the takeover is that every single match on the card lasted at least fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and you can get a really good match with that length of time with any competitor I'd say well it's easier when you've got only got five matches each one gets the time it needs see that's why less is more it always works with takeover you've got a three hour time frame just five matches it gives a bit of breathing room with everything and it lets everybody showcase their talent the one thing that annoyed me though was when for him to watch the pre-show how he had like Sam Roberts on the pre-show he was kind of like who is this Volta guy it's like how are you meant to make this division or this brand look big to a bigger audience when but you've got the these same, guys like, at the same time you're supposed to be a credible like you're on the panel Aye. You're, they've picked you and you, need, you should know who you're talking about alongside Pat McAfee you're supposed to beef, yeah you're supposed to beef up these guys you know and, 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 well, and most of the only thing is if, you watch, if you've watched anything to do with Sam Roberts like podcast you know he's a die hard fan like looking at him like you've obviously know, you're obviously a guy who knows who Walter is don't pretend like you don't you're only pretending because you're meant to be the arsehole on this right. panel which is, not e- which is hard Pat when you're next Pat. to Pat McAfee <laughs> we gave this a four four point three out of five. It was weighed down a wee bit by Quacko's three, but <laughs> mm. sorry, I, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm. Just, I, I, it's hard to say. Like, I, I respect him a lot. I like his presence when he walks in and everything. But in terms of his matches, it's, I'm just not so. I mean, the, one of the matches that we seem to be universally agreed on was a fantastic match, even though it was one that was a bit predictable when we first came, uh, came in to take over. Was the opener? between the War Raiders mm-hmm. and Black and Ricochet. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, Black and Ricochet, too great on their own, not teamed very often, but yeah. my God, this was so fast, it was so hard-hitting, it was just a great way to open up the takeover. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially when you've got two big guys like Hanson and Rowe, who you wouldn't expect to see do high-flying stuff, because I think they're about, what, 20 stone each or something, and they're pulling out cartwheels and <laughs> flips and stuff, and you think it's, it's just crazy to see them do that sort of thing especially when they're facing two sort of well-known high flyers as well yeah Dave, do yourself a favor watch old school new japan wrestling watch war machine and you don't you'll even see. not even that uh, just watch the what was it baramania two yeah. years ago they take on uh, polo promotions, promotions. that's amazing. a phenomenal match amazing guys like that that's walking the park stuff for them really is mm-hmm. I'm basically just highlighting how much of a WWE mark I am at the minute <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan was this the I know we had the War Raiders have that fantastic match with Undisputed Era at the previous takeover a lot of people were still not sure how credible the War Raiders would be as champions do you think this cemented them as the team to beat I think it's done them a lot of favours because we spoke on uh, the previous show 
because they'd been out for for different reasons, you know, injury, mum's getting married, you know, they they went on TV a lot. So since they won the titles, we didn't see too much of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was yourself, Dave, said that you would have liked to have seen them have a couple of squash matches on TV leading up to this. Yeah, rather local talent though, rather than say. The t- all the teams that are regularly featured because they were all in the, in the Dusty I- Cup. Ironically, the, the takeover that aired after you did the preview, they had the squash matches. It's almost like Dave can predict the future. <laughs> yeah, like I, I liked the, uh, the fact that they won the titles from Unspeeder back in uh, was it Phoenix. I yep. said Philadelphia the wrong year. <laughs> but, uh, like, you know, I liked the fact they won. I don't think it was the best tag match I've seen in NXT, but I thought it was the right decision because. Undisputed Era held the belts for ages, like eventually, much like Dunn, like you need to move on to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think this was the match that really cements the fact that War Raiders like, are kind of the right guys at the moment to carry the tag division because this is probably their best match I've seen since they came to NXT. Mm-hmm. Because like, you would have, a lot of people thought it was better because Black and Ricochet aren't an official real team, even though they've kind of been thrown together, they're, they're on the main roster. Even though it still created that little bit of doubt, and that's when the matches are at the best when they just make you doubt for a lot, especially that spot where the the black mass and then the shooting star, where it looked the closest like they were going to win. Mm-hmm. It's only they only just or it only just managed to pull out, which just goes to put over how good Black and Wish have become as a team. I love this match, as my ratings would say. A solid five, five out of five. Yeah, five from me. Your match of the night. Yep. I absolutely loved it. The particular moment I loved was at the start with. Roe and Alistair Black, they had that kind of respect spar where they're both strikers and they both like showed that they can kick or punch each other but they didn't follow through with it, they just said watch out and the ending was replicated by doing the, uh, I don't know if it's a Japanese like salute, like a bow down, yeah, it's and respect. absolute respect and see Ricochet cry, oh. oh God. I think just a, a note on that, um, I wasn't overly excited for this match because I always said I wanted my tag teams to be tag teams. Um, I'm pretty sure it was actually one of the revivals said it about you know being with each other for a long period of time. Whereas I feel like Black and Ricochet just get chucked together. Um, Do you not the, think it works? Well, that's what I'm going to say. Now, yes. At first, I no. I wasn't. I, I wasn't sold on it. I thought, how can you give two singles guys this big spotlight? But seen them then in that match mm-hmm. and how well they worked together I thought I'm completely sold uh, like I said before the, the takeover preview as well they're they're very much like the odd couple tag team but at the same time they're two prominent single stars and I think you knew once they were announced to be in the Smackdown tag title match at Wrestlemania you had a feeling they were going to well, get called have, up they could have walked in with both of them you never know um, correction sideways yeah. <laughs> we gave it 4.4 it was um, their second top match of the night and it was a fitting way for both uh, Alistair Black and Ricochet to finish their time in NXT. Uh, the next match we talk about on the takeover card was surprising in a way because I have it finished. It was the four-way match for the the women's championship. Ryan, uh, I don't think anybody, many people called Shayna Baszler very to be retained. Very surprised, but I thought this was her hard getting pushed out now. I thought mm-hmm. she was going sideways to the main the, the main roster. Yeah, he's had it right. Yep, I had to remind you last time to coming from, at least I corrected myself. Coming from yeah. Mr. WWE Mark over there. <laughs> Uh, it's something I need to get used to. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, I thought she was going to the, the main roster. Um, this time, I thought that my my woman, 
Bianca Belair. I thought this was her moment. I'm not. I'm not sold. I'm not sold on Belair still. Yeah, how can you oh, not be sold on that? Sold on Belair. She's, she's she, he doesn't like street profits either. So it's, uh, it's actually it's quite like street profits. Oh, do you? Wow. She, <laughs> she's got the hair. She's got the talent. She's got the swagger. She's got the banter. Everyone dances to her music. And she's got really good. She's got really good heel tactics too. That's why I was expecting to see out of this match. Yep. See, see, I don't know, Scott. I was all for. Um, I thought this was the time for. Um, Yo Shirai potential to win it. I was robbed at my moment of yelling vindication at my fellow Tigor panelists because I was the only one who went for Yo Shirai. It was all three against one in favour of Bel Air. You the minute she hit that moonsault, she was not winning this match. <laughs> no, but it was like, it's, well, sorry, I don't know if some people were kind of mixed on Shayna, but it was kind of smart how she kind of played this, where she basically didn't show that she didn't need the other two horses and she left them in the back and essentially let her opponents kind of kill each other and slow it down everyone when Bel Air took out both. Uh, Shirai and Sane that was her moment to sneak in and get the choke and like I said it was a bit of a, like a shock for everyone it was more, like the biggest shock of the night because I think everybody else could kind of tell where certain matches were going but the thing that kind of is a shame for this match and also for the North American title matches they both while they were good still had to struggle because they had great matches preceding them mm-hmm. and it's t- tough to keep that momentum going because you never know if the fans will be tired out from the match before mm-hmm. Um, I, I did think Belair was going to win it, but in hindsight, it does make sense. It is for one reason. Uh, they're still Duke and Shafir. They've not really built their name as big as what should be. So keeping Baszler on NXT helps that. See, I've, with, with Shayna winning it, I actually thought that was quite good. Because, and we've spoken about it loads of times before, I hate when you can predict wrestling. You know, oh, I was unpredictable wrestling. You know, I was convinced she was going to the main roster. I thought she's done. She's not going to be involved in the pin. She's going to just get the title taken off her. Now she's coming in. I'm going. Oh my god, when is she leaving? Because I'm. I now don't know when they're going to push her mm. to the main roster because I'm thinking that's her chance to get out the belt and go. Mm. And now she's kept it and almost going. You know, get my belt. Uh, it really is sort of a gives her a chance to sort of assert her dominance as well that you know she doesn't need Duke and Shafir to help her win she doesn't need the help of the the other women on the roster to sort of like cause a distraction or things like that because that's how I thought Bianca was going to win like she's obviously been tormenting the rest of the women's locker but I thought maybe they would have got involved and attacked Shayna mm-hmm. and then Bianca would capitalize on it but the fact that none of that happened that Shayna got a clean win I think it just asserts how good she is and especially with the support of Shafir and Duke as well. See, it was a it was, it was a case of it wasn't a bad match, but it was probably the worst match on the card, which wasn't saying any negatives to it. It was a, we gave it three point three, which is still above average. So yeah, it's a good match. Another match, a Scott, a Scott, as you said, that had that kind of similar feel. It was still a really good match. Was yeah. the final match on the card, the North American title match between mm-hmm. uh, Matt Riddle and Velveteen Dream. Yeah, and I love his entrance, just the whole Empire State thing. I like. Is it weird that I'm not even surprised that he did something like this? Like, Dream, you, you can't be surprised anymore when he comes out with these fanboy entrances, but it's just to see how good the belt looks around his waist. And am I the only one who thought they were doing a double turn here? I thought Riddle was turning heel. I thought Riddle was vicious. turning heel. I think this is, should be the way they're going. Uh, David, do you think this, they missed a chance doing it at the takeover? Um, I think they almost convinced me that there was going to be a heel turn, but I thought, no, I think Matt Riddle's way too over with the crowd to be. He got, he, 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 he got booed. Oh, yeah. he did get booed, he yeah. That's because, that's because Dream is Dream. Dream is just Dream, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they were kind of, well, is Dream technically classified as a heel? No, no, he's, no he's a face. I was, oh, yeah. was so going to say that. So, yeah, it was kind of face v face dynamic was, as well. Well, it was like a thing where heel, uh, Dream was kind of at the bit heelish at the start. He was kind of showboating, he was a bit more arrogant. He was trying to do the correct. 
Do you Great. put the heel in the build up, I, I think? I even doing like the crack could like kick trying to mock him and then Riddle's people were cheering him because Riddle was being so vicious and I just you gotta laugh at the fact that he started doing the Hulk up spot, he did the there was far too much Hulk Hogan love at this weekend, that was my one and one Ross of the Hall of Fame, everybody's like, I like to thank Hulk Hogan. And Ross's like favourite moment of the night, he did a famous sir as well. Oh, and they got referenced by Marrow in commentary as well. <laughs> Billy Gunn going in the Hall of Fame. Some of Marrow's calls on the takeover was interesting. I, I said before the show, the one right before the tag match, and he goes, Ricochet and Black are like a better couple than Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. But they're not in the shallow tonight. They're in the, yeah. Yeah, they're in the Brooklyn. Uh, he's, like a, he's trying to be a cool dad. Or at he's times he's always trying to be like, a cool dad, oh, but he's so he, good at he's it. He's a cool dad. Let's be honest, he is a cool dad. I know. <laughs> I know. No. Literally, Scott and David tried to say that someone's not cool. Imagine sneaking. He wasn't cool. Imagine sneaking home at the age of fourteen, steaming, <laughs> and morals are there, and he's like, "What you doing with that alcohol?" Oh, I thought, oh, sorry, Dad. <laughs> Where were you at with that muscle chipper? Do you think this will? This feud's not over between Black, no, not Black. Sorry, Dream and Riddle. Definitely so not. So much not more stuff to come. I no. think when we say about about Riddle. Possibly turning heel. I think it's coming. Mm-hmm. I think they, they teased signs of it because you seen him at the end. It was almost like he was about to turn, and then he just shakes his hand, smirked and shakes his hand and walked off. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's coming. I think I, that'll that'll continue on to on the TV mm-hmm. again, and then they'll build it for there and there'll be a, a, a turn from. I'm not convinced. I would like a heel riddle. No, he's too laid back for be heel. Exactly, like his Bro. although his character stuff. Well, I, I thought that I would have agreed with you if we were doing this last Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, but after seeing, he was pulling out a lot of heel moves in the yeah. match. If you if you watch it back, you know there's a lot of kind of heel style wrestling going on. And I think that if he just totally went with it, I think he's the kind of guy that can make anything. A work. German from the apron inside. Yeah, I mean, yeah, his moves wise, yes, but it's his character because I don't know about you guys, but I think his character. He got a lot of bang from don't hate the, the, the flip flop spot with Worky's a heel. You can yeah. imagine I'm just going to do it and just going to flip the Unless, he, unless he puts like fun tacks at the end yeah. or, or just Lego. Or just like if he wants to be a heel and still wear the flip flops, just have him wear socks with the flip flops. Everybody will hate him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, like, that oh, yeah. spot. Or he hits a child in the face with a flip flop. That spot with the, the German into the ring. Like, I was so nervous to see that because I don't want to bed, but I've seen like the likes of a bushy try and do that and it rarely ever works out like someone always lands on their neck and it looked just as bad as you'd think it would like we landed okay. still a top quality match and overall as a takeover as a whole we gave this 4.12 out of 5 so still strong very good a very, mm-hmm. a very good show uh, now we're going to briefly talk about the G1 Supercard as the biggest weekend on Saturday <laughs> I'm going to talk about two aspects of it briefly there's two big ones that maybe came out of it with as a part, people listening to the podcast were not as familiar with New Japan and Ring of Honor. There's so much wrestling, got to sacrifice something. Mm-hmm. But we do have um, Scott McLeod here who um, presented the G1 preview. Scott, the one point that came up from this show that a lot of people was it was a, it was a tale of two shows. I think a lot of people said the yeah. New Japan part was great, mm-hmm. the Ring of Honor part not so much. Yeah, like and like it wasn't really that many solely. As I said before, we went on uh, Ring of Honor matches. There were probably just maybe three 
including like the ladder match and the, like, the win of, win of, women of honour match. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed the ladder match, but uh, like you said, yeah, the new Japan stuff was a lot stronger. Like although the co-branded stuff was really good, like you had the hot opener with Jeff Cobb v uh, mm-hmm. Well Osprey, that was good. So you had, you had the four way was really good, although marred by what happened after the match. And uh, like I think it's a strong night wrestling wise, but I think. The one thing that would have helped that seal the weekend is if they still had the elite in that, because you know they were still under New Japan contract when the tickets went on sale, and I think that's what everybody was expecting to see. Mm. And unfortunately, I think the EW they, they didn't get to see that. But I think New Japan did their best to try and pull out something special. Sold out before all in when the I know. the elite were still part. So it sold out by a lot on those guys. Yeah, and I, and I said this on the, on the preview show, like this sold out before any matches were in, before we even knew if All In would be a success or not, so essentially the success this was kind of hint, if this could work, was kind of hinging on All In, and as we knew, All In was a success, so I gave like some people confidence going into this. Quacky, uh, uh, you bought a, a good bit as well, from a New Japan standpoint, the matches were Wrestle Kingdom level, I think mm-hmm. some of the ones that were very fitting to be Madison Square Garden. Oh yeah. I think it was quite a shame. Oh, as Scott said, some of the matches didn't quite live up to it, such as the, the Women of Honor match and uh, the Bully Ray Open Challenge. <laughs> I mean, they mucked up Mark Haskins. Come on, <laughs> Haskins there, and they blew it. You know, Dave. Yeah, have you ever heard? <laughs> you surely you know who Mark Haskins is. Just not quite. Wow, he's an English man. <laughs> were you feeling? He's very good at wrestling. Were you feeling loving? No, I wasn't. No. Well, you know, I thought you were a film. No. no, no, you were at the. So you've never seen Vicky Haskins? <laughs> <laughs> you the prime. Again, he's going to be googling on that later. <laughs> yeah, they had had him and Juice Robinson and Flip Gordon in a team, and they mucked up. Some big names and some big names in there, but I think um, Ring of Honor is an, it's an interesting one. How the fact they went with a more they tried to go with a more WWE approach of storyline, continuing storylines. <laughs> yeah, they even pulled out two former WWE people. I'm still lost at that. Yeah, I've seen this. Let's, 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 yeah. We'll go on to this yes, one. Um, this is the thing that these guys can contribute to. <laughs> yeah, we, we can talk about this. Uh, Ryan, Enzo and Cash showed up. Do you know what? I've just said we can talk about this. I don't actually know if I want to. <laughs> like, why? Why out of anybody in the world that you could book to, to fill that spot of, of jumping over and getting involved in the match, why would you pick Enzo and Cash? Like, they weren't even that good when they were in WWE. <laughs> There's plenty of guys who were good in WWE that you could have got for this. I just, I don't get it. As Big Cass, and I don't mean to sound disrespectful, is he still, like, heavy Cass? Or no. Or is he toned up a bit now? He has actually dropped a lot of weight, to be right. fair to him. That's okay then. Yeah, but Enzo still looks like an a-hole. Well, I've seen, he is. <laughs> I've seen videos of him as well at the... What was the, the gig that they were having in New York when Kofi Kingston was there? Oh, uh, the new day were there, and apparently Enzo came on either after or before him. I can't remember what it was, um, and he basically started rapping, and people just started booing him like out of the building. Like, I'll, I'll wa- when you actually watch it, like you can quickly see him. Like, most of the clearest thing you can get is from people taking videos of it. Because on the thing, we're trying to do a thing where Yano uh, steals the IWG belts from the Grills of Destiny, and they're just there with the Ring of Honor belts, like where, where are our other belts? And he's at the drop of the ram, like. He's going to try to set up a feud with there because that's the kind of thing is he steals stuff from people and yet he's a face. That was probably the most clever thing they probably did, David. Um, they kind of blurred the line between a work and a shoot. Yeah, I think a lot of people when they saw it live, they, they couldn't tell if it was a, a run-in or not. Like, Because based on like camera footage and stuff, I originally thought it was a shoot. 
But then when you find out, you know, oh wait, this was actually a sort of semi-scripted sort of run-in. I'm surprised you know what a shoot is, Mr. Kayfab. Yeah, yeah, Kayfab right here. See in the corner, you can just see the Briscoes scrapping with somebody, but they just like... I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? <laughs> yes, you did, Scott. Sorry, you've stopped, I thought you were finished. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so... um. So blurring the lines, you know, I think that was a good way to maybe sort of get maybe some more eyes on the product. And the fact, you know, Ryan's Enzo and Cass, you know, they weren't like, maybe not necessarily the best in the ring, but they got a really big reaction nonetheless, whether it was through promos, merch sales. I'm interested to see what happens with them going forward now. Quacker, you they seemed like a team that you would have liked in WWE with a kind of comedy side of things. It's, it's amazing how different things are in two years. I know. I, like, don't get me wrong, I did find aspects of them funny. Um, yes, but like, see with that, that I actually thought that was a shoot. At first, I thought, no, this is a bit happy for two reasons because of what happened with Bret Hart, and secondly, because I was thinking, why on earth would Ring of Honor want these two? Yeah, partly, um, it was originally meant to be in the ring. If it is, if it is a work, it was meant to be in the ring, apparently, and they made a last minute change to put it in the. And, 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 at, the, at, the, at the outside of it so the, that's why they made that decision I think because of Bret Hart oh you finished talking there I can start <laughs> sassy someone's sour yes sassy anyway yeah that's the other thing like you can it, the camera's on G.O.D. in the ring and you can only see in the corner the Briscoe's fighting with somebody and you can just faintly see Billy Ray come down like so they don't show it and then when the, when the match ends it just cuts to the commentary team and they're like having a cover for others talking in depth about the next match that's coming up. As you can see, Enzo and Cass in the back getting pulled away by security. See, that's, so that's why I thought it was a shoot. I mean, how the vomit was like, right boys, of Sages, we're gonna have you try and scrap with Billy Ray and the Briscoes. Has like, anybody confirmed that they have been signed? It's not officially because been see the fact that it's not on on demand and have not put any official footage of it up. It almost looks as if they are trying it's to... The, it's the fact that the secu- security didn't immediately step in. Mm-hmm. That's the thing well, that people I, said is real. The videos, like I said, I've only seen videos from it, mm-hmm. uh, from kind of fan footage, and they're, they're trying to get there, and there's a couple of people pushing them back. But I'm thinking, look at when Enzo done it at WWE. He was out like that. So, mm-hmm. is it a work, you know, is it part of your, your script? If so, why have you not got it on your on-demand footage? Why are you... Like, what's the point in doing it's, it? If you're not going to show it to legitimise it, maybe. But le- legitimise it to who? If I had, if I hadn't seen the, the fan footage, and I was a big fan of it, and I, I watched on demand every single week, I wouldn't have seen this. Well, it was like the same situation with the Hall of Fame. You know, that you had that guy uh, tackling Bret Hart. Yeah, but that, that, that was yeah, but that, that was that was real. That cut straight. Uh, yeah, straight cut that one straight straight, straight, straight away. It was off for good. You see the guy put run on, and then it's gone. Yeah. It's, just, it's just when you originally see obviously Enzo and Cass running in as well, you think, my God, what's going on right now? There's, like it, there's craziness across all directions. Right. My criticism is it was why would they bring in Enzo and Cass? They bring up on a side of things, and that one night, apart brought in Enzo and Cass, and they brought back the beautiful people. You know, mm-hmm. maybe about eight years later, than the beautiful people were in the peak. Yeah, but like the whole thing with Enzo and Cass is people, why would you bring them in? Like when you think about it, they're really perfect heels for Ring of Honor because they're the antithesis of everything Ring of Honor really stands for. They're not pure wrestlers because Enzo has admitted like I was taught how to sell rather than wrestle because I was made to sell and then make the hot tag make the hot make the hot tag to cast so he barely was taught how to wrestle so like them being like the, not really the more the entertainers rather than pure wrestlers because that's what Cody did when he first went like he kept referring to himself as a sports entertainer not a wrestler because all he knew was WWE 
mm-hmm. so it will wear out that pure hardcore wrestling crowd I know it's, 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 they're the perfect guys if you want to really if you want to have heels have them feud with the Briscoes is an interesting one though because <laughs> people, <laughs> pay to, people pay to get them get, see them get killed don't get me wrong I've just slated Enzo and Cash you know when they were in NXT I you said to Kwaku I quite liked the character it wasn't my favourite but I thought it was it was nice when they moved up to the main roster um, I thought again see the pop they got when they debuted after, well, after Mania that's the thing you know <laughs> they, they were liked in NXT but see when they went in their separate ways and they, they had them feuding against each other I just thought oh, he's a brand we're at the point where we're going to have the moment we've all been waiting for Dave's going to give his uh, move by move analysis of Kota Bushi versus uh, Tetsuya Naito <laughs> alright I've got a channel my name Stacy for this one here it's a uh, one guy hit the other guy for about 15 minutes and then he scored the pin and he won. See if that match ended by submission, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> I, I, was, I was about to say that was exactly right, but. <laughs> Although, something that was shocking on this card. I'm sorry, did I interrupt you again? No, no, you're fine. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, try, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be sassy or anything, I'm, I'm just like, I'm trying not to step on everybody's toes here. Mm-hmm. One thing that was shocking though, you talk about not wanting to squash a, the current like UK champion, we talk about Pete Dunne and that. They squashed a former world champion on this show, much like they did Mia, where they had Dalton Castle get squashed by Roosh in under a minute. Yeah, and then that's, that's, that was one of the things people like, didn't like with the Ring of Honor, apparently. And then beat up his boys afterwards. Yeah, it was, um, from what I've read on it, I've, I've not had a chance to fully watch it, from what I've heard, it's a really good show if you're a fan of purest wrestling, if you're a fan of the New Japan style, it's definitely something I'd recommend to, from what I've read anyway, at least watching bits of it, ignore the Billy Ray segment apartment, it's absolutely terrible. The, no uh, offense to Billy Ray, I love you as a character. I mean, if you're a fan of like the, like the Rumble style, like the the honor rumble beforehand, it's okay. It's got a few spots, not the best kind of rumble I've ever seen. But one fight that I did love about it was Kenny King. Like I'm going to go in number one. I'm going to have the most spot. I'm going to go all the way to the end and say, let's find out who drew number two. And all Suzuki comes out, one of the most terrifying <laughs> men on the face of the planet. Yeah. So um, so that's been the brief bits on some of the main parts of the G1 Supercard for the mainstream uh, wrestling fans. When we come back from a short break, we're going to talk about. WrestleMania itself, there's so much to talk about as it was seven and a half hours worth of wrestling. Uh, but before that, we're going to uh, have the short interview which went out on Monday of two of the U champions. It's Kofi Kingston and Becky Lynch. Uh, we'll see you in a bit. Hi, I'm TJ Perkins, otherwise known as the Cruiser Great, otherwise known as the Hill and Flash, and you're listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Region. Becky, let's start with you. What, what did this mean to you? Obviously, you have been such a huge part of the transition and the extraordinary rise of the role that women have played at WWE. What, how would you put into words what this meant to you last uh, night? Uh, it meant the world to me. Uh, yeah, like those three seconds were a lifetime in the making. Um, it, it, it's hard to put into words, but it, just, it, it made me... Maybe feel right for breaking out and, and breaking faces and claiming <laughs> titles, I'll tell you what. You know, Kofi, for you, you've kind of been that underdog role. And this push that we've seen has just taken a lot. I was there last night. Every move, you could sense it with the 83,000 that were there. They were hanging on it, praying that this result was going to be what it was. Did you feel that? And how has this been, this Kofi mania? Yeah, it's been incredible. Honestly, the past like two months have been amazing to see the support from the WWE Universe. Like realizing that they wanted this to happen as badly as I did is just awesome because this is all I've ever wanted to do ever since I was a kid, man. This is like literally my childhood dream coming true. And that's like a real cliche thing to say, but um, it's 
actual, like that's a fact, you know? And I'm standing here right now as the WWE champion, trying like not to get choked up and everything, but you know, it's really emotional, but um, long time coming. Well, at the risk of getting you even more choked up, I want to put a tweet <laughs> up on the screen if I could, and it's from one of your tag team partners, okay. Xavier Woods. I'm not sure if you've seen this yet or not, but I'll read it to you. I've never felt emotions like this in my entire career. Kofi did it, we all did it. Tonight, a previously closed off part of the WWE Universe realized they can be champion too. And that representation is so much more important than people realize. Congrats, Kofi. We love you. What does that mean, Kofi, and what does it mean to you? It, it means the world, uh, Xavier and Big E are like my brothers, man. We spend more time with each other than we do with our own families. Uh, and, and he hit the nail right on the head with what he said there. Like, representation is so important to be able to uh, have people that look like us to be able to look at the screen and see that it's possible to, to do great things, you know, and even just people who in general who have struggled. Like, that's what it's been for me for the past 11 years. I had never had a singles match for a major WWE championship title, and here we are. So now those people, through seeing, you know, through, through actually seeing what happened, believe that it's possible because they see it with their own eyes. So it's important to represent all those groups. I appreciate it. You talk about representation. I've got a daughter who has the shirt of the man and you know empowering young women is has been a big part of this evolution revolution to now main eventing wrestlemania in 2006 you suffered a severe head injury you had to walk away from professional wrestling during that time did you ever think in your wildest imaginations that a women would be given the platform that they were given last night and that b you would be the part of it man it's so crazy because i've journaled my whole life and i when I was away from the business for all those years, I would always write that I, I feel like I'm, I'm meant to be in the WWE. I don't know how I get back there. I don't know if it's possible, blah, blah, but I feel like I'm meant to be there. And then, uh, and then even when I came over, one of my good friends, uh, I, I said I'm gonna main event WrestleMania one day. He goes, it's nice to dream, but be realistic. And and now it's just so unthinkable to think that that was unthinkable because it happened last night. And now I'm, I'm hoping everybody steps up and that this becomes a regular occurrence, that we're going to be fighting for, for the main event, certainly. Everybody's going to be fighting me for the main event. I got a taste of it last night. I ain't giving it up. I ain't giving it up. What's next, Kofi? What's next for you? What's next? I, I'm, I'm just taking it one day at a time, you know, uh, just trying to be the best champion possible, you know what I mean? Uh, I've been going out there and, and trying as hard as I possibly could to get to this moment. So um, I'm just trying to take it all in and, again, take it one step at a time. Hey, to both of you, congratulations. Yeah, on the was at last night. Looks like it was a phenomenal show. Well done. Thank you both very Thank much you. for coming. Thanks Pleasure to have you here. The chance. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to WrestleMania Week here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweets. Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson. I'm joined by David, Ryan, Scott, Kwaku, and we are talking WrestleMania weekend. In the first half, we talked about NXT TakeOver New York and some of the brief mainstream points of the G1 Supercard. Now we're going to talk about the main event of the weekend to a lot of people as, of course, WrestleMania 35. Uh... To many people of WrestleMania that performed well above expectations. Now, one of the points I'm going to start with uh, that Scott and some of the other guys on Monday night talked about the brief next day reaction. So we've had a few more days to digest it. So I'm going to try and talk about a lot of more of the stuff in a bit different detail. Uh, Scott, I'll start with you on this one. There was the doubt in a lot of people's mind going into this WrestleMania that we had 
three championship matches mm-hmm. with arguably the three biggest fan favourites in the company and Seth Rollins, Kofi Kingston and Becky Lynch. Many people were doubting that all three of these would come yeah. out as champions. But we got all three of them as champions. What's that's? What's your thoughts on the fact that they gave all three the win? Well, as, as I said, we talked about on the next reaction, like they paced it very well. Like they had one of them open it surprisingly, and one was right in the middle. And then obviously we had the main event, so they spaced it out. Like unlike last year's main, where it started off good and then fell off a cliff. This was like peaks and troughs kind of thing. Like you were brought back up by these feel good wins. And I said, you know, then like, and I said to you guys on when we were at Gary's that uh, I was still in doubt. Right up until the very end, because like Seth's won, Coffee's won, it's, it's almost too good to be true. Like, sure, something's going to happen, Becky's going to get screwed somehow. And it wasn't until she was holding up both belts that it became real. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, we, what a moment it was to kick off WrestleMania that we had. Well, not, not Hogan and Bliss, that was, we, we can forget about that one. As much as Bliss <laughs> said, I can create a WrestleMania moment, everybody will forget that one. But not that all of the fact that he tried to replicate the Superdome joke, which went down like a fart in church. He then messed up the name of the, the arena. When you could see in the far left corner the name of the stadium, he meant right that. there, and he went, "I'm great to be here in the MetLife Center when the MetLife Stadium is right above." But he meant that surely. Yeah, I, I doubt so. Really. Got, got to have meant that. There's no way that he, like, see if you're going to make a joke about getting the stadium name wrong. Surely, to God, you sit there looking at it, going. Metlife Stadium 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 Metlife Oh my, is this match actually going to be first? You know, I was I was hyped up for it and I thought they're going to let me in here. He's going to like walk away or something or somebody's going to come and beat him up or whatever it was. But I thought a great way to start it. Yeah, Dave, the interesting aspect that I found when in the, in the days coming past was this apparently was not actually meant to be the opening of the show. They actually changed the mind on the pre-show. Backstage in the pre-show, they went, we're going to kick off with this match. Yep. It's a risky move, I think, but it wasn't paid off in the end. It was a risky move, but I think it was... It worked so well because, you know, we always talk about, you know, sometimes the opening matches have to be just as effective as the main event. Like, you couldn't get a bigger opening match than having one of your main championships being defended, like, as the first match. And I know we've said on the sort of greatest opening matches, a lot of them were championship, like, a couple of them were championship matches as well, like Sheamus and Bryan and uh, Edge and Del Rio. Like, this could be just as one of them as one of the greatest opening matches because it has to... Still doesn't beat Sheamus and Bryan. Well... (laughs) Because uh, it had the shock factor, it had you know a lot of impactful moments. Like even though it only lasted about two minutes officially, and it was a great result that everybody's going to remember. Every time Seth went for a curb stomp, you just thought he's going to get caught. I Ross, Ross, Ross kept saying like, no, this time he's going to catch him because like he could easily have caught him. Like, then, that, but that would have deflated the crowd going forward. Yeah. On a separate note, like when I see Paul Heyman walking down the ramp, uh, sort of two things were going through my mind. I'm thinking, well, okay, I'm, I've caught my attention here. What are they going to do here? And the second was Paul Heyman walking down the ramp to Real American. Oh. It actually, it actually suits him it was, quite well. <laughs> it worked quite well, but one of the things going into the the, uh, the event was, in a lot of people's minds, of the three people, Rollins was a big doubt because he was facing Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Um, now, quickly, once we had this opening match where Seth Rollins had won, that shifted the doubt 
onto your main man, Kofi Kingston. Oh. But from the, the moment they, they three walked down the ramp, what innovation they got from the MetLife Stadium. Oh, um, I'm still emotional from that whole thing. Um, I've got to go back to how, like, see something that wasn't mentioned on the Kofi show we done that I really loved. Right, the aspect when the Usos were doing the whole thing of we respect you and everything, mm. there was a keyword that they used and they said to them, uh, Us, they called them Us. Mm-hmm. Now, the Usos only call people Us if they're family, and that was big to call them Us. Mm-hmm. So that was a big thing for me. I'm getting all emotional talking about this. <laughs> um, and also, right. I, I can confirm Kwaku cried in the pub. I had one tear. That's not fair. <laughs> had one tear. I had my Ghana flag out. Even Mark Dallas joined Team Black Stars in the Ghana. I think it would be quite hard to find somebody who wasn't supporting Kofi. Oh. Even if you didn't have Kofi to win, I think everybody was yeah. had something for that Kofi. The whole journey they did with him mm-hmm. was so well done. Uh, and uh, Ryan, the match itself, if you take away the emotion side of it, it was a great wrestling match a, between the it, two of them. It was an amazing match. You know, it was actually, after seeing the Elimination Chamber match, I, or the kind of end between them two, I thought that was a nice wee tease for what you were going to get. So I think that helped build up this match to the point where you were thinking we are going to get however long it was, Dave. How long was the match, do you know? Uh, I think it was about 20 Four minutes, so I think. Twenty-three minutes, forty-five seconds. <laughs> well played. Wow. Thank you. A minute shorter than Triple H's match, because Triple H always has to have yeah, the longest Triple match. Triple H has the longest match, yeah. But what I really liked about this feud was that it was actually the most organic, natural, developing story going into WrestleMania. And it turned out to be match of the night. And I think if this is the kind of booking WWE needs to go forward with. If they highlight a, specific, a particular guy, like say in the Gauntlet match, where he lasted just shy of an hour Fat, you get all the fans of Porto on his side you get a really convincing performance inside the chamber where he nearly wins the championship and it's, the rest of it just writes itself a wave of fan support a fresh match for Wrestlemania a high profile match for Wrestlemania and it has a big payoff in the end which everybody can get behind mm-hmm. um, one big thing I've got to highlight and I, w- I would have been re- I would have been right if I don't say this and there's something Shug, uh, Sugar Duncan to that actually said on Facebook which is so true African American WWE Champion no asterisk no nothing no nothing added to the end oh, of but it what about the rock shot exactly <laughs> exactly so that's what and I mean no Af- asterisk African American Grand Slam Champion as well yes I, I loved how much it meant to not just Kofi but to Biggie and yeah uh, Xavier is Woods, Woods as well. There's a, vi- there's a video with Kwaku. There's a, vi- there's a video that came out the other day of MVP and Shad Gaspar. That's the point I was making because yes, we've had um, we've had black champions or whatever have you, but they haven't. Let's be honest. The WWE mm. Championship is the WWE Championship. Not really had that. Like we've had. Yes, The Rock and stuff like that, but there's no asterisk. It's just an af, an born af. Oh, stop me! Now um, <laughs> we had so then that doubt was away. So then we got to the main event, and then the doubt came back into us again, David. Not for me. Uh, it <laughs> like as soon as I t- well, you knew you'd lost by this point. So yeah. you know, like, <laughs> as soon as I knew Brian and Kofi, as soon as I saw Brian and Kofi, oh, sorry, um, Kofi win and Rollins win, I thought. They're going to do a clean sweep with Becky because there's no way they're going to let these people a go out sweep on a, or a clean sweep. Sweep. 
Right. You yeah. wanted a clean sleep after <laughs> eight you know hours. Was, you know what wasn't a clean sweep? Our NXT sweep was a disgrace. But enough for that. It's actually <laughs> ironic that Dave can't say sweep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're funny. <laughs> but yeah, I knew as soon as Kofi won, they thought they're not going to let Becky lose. Oh, it was so good. It was just like, it's, uh, Scott, it was one of the matches. We talked about it on the previous show last. It was talked on the previous show last week how the build was maybe a bit up and down because mm-hmm. it just had to make things over complicated again. Yeah. But when it came down to the freedom all in the ring, they delivered. It was even though it was quite hard considering we watched it at five o'clock in the morning UK yeah. time. Yeah, but although I think a lot of people, us included, kind of got a bit of a second wind, especially towards the end of this match, mm-hmm. which is not a good thing. We realised like I need to go to my bed. I need to get up in a couple of hours for that <laughs> next day reactions. I need to go to my bed. Like I d- also the entrances were definitely made a bit worse. Like you had Charlotte in the helicopter, Ronda Game played the ring, and Becky, as I said in the next reaction, didn't really need the biggest entrance because all she had to do was walk out, and all the people had those signs, and that's all you really need to the show. Hard, She's a star. The hard cam side of the crowd did a great job with those signs all oh, night. Yeah, they, yeah. Had, they, had, they had them all, all the favourites were out, and everything. Yeah, you know, Kofi Mania. Hug, Kofi Mania, yeah, they, were, they knew who they wanted. It was, it was great, I mean. And they gave them what they want. <laughs> <laughs> I think I you think the microphone as you said that, so it's not got the same effect. But please don't do that. Um, <laughs> now, Ryan, as good as the match was, I mean, they went for a good twenty minutes. Uh, the days that have followed is kind of that, the finish to it has confused a lot of people. What's your thoughts on that it one? It was. It was a bit strange. You know, we were sitting, um, we were sitting in the pub, and I think I was sitting beside Quacko, and I think it, right at the very end, we we kind of turned around and looked at each other and went, "Is that it?" You know, it almost came out, uh, came out of nowhere. I know there's been talk about about Ronda breaking her hand and stuff like that. And was it was it meant? Was it not meant? The the finish. I do think it was meant. Um, I would have liked to have seen a different finish. I yeah. would have liked to have seen well, getting the arm, a double armbar, both of them either side, make the, them both tap the big, it. The big talk was the big rumours going about the, on the days that they were torn between. Ronda tapping or Ronda getting pinned mm-hmm. and I think somebody came up with the idea of in UFC the fact she's not tapped is the thing it's like a thing with you it's a UFC thing I'm not a big UFC fan I'm not 100% sure so because of that they kind of made that one as well she's never tapped so we're not going to make her tap but Becky's a wrestler mm. and wrestlers pin yeah. people so that's I, the kind of aspect I think the thing as well going back to UFC and you know, I, I do quite enjoy UFC with Ronda never tapping as well Ronda's thing is to make people tap finisher and a fighter, whereas she was known as the most dominant person, most dominant woman in, in UFC, all her victories came as tap-outs, but the two that she lost, she got sparked out mm-hmm. in both of them. So I think if you if you have her tap-out against Becky Lynch, for us, thinking about as big Becky Lynch fans, we're going to go, outstanding, she made her tap-out. I feel going forward, though, if you're going to do anything with Ronda in the future... That totally takes away from her because you're going. Ah, you couldn't make her tap though, could you? You got tapped out. I think. If, I think if it was the talk is the rumor is Ronda's going to take time away. If Ronda's never coming back, the tap would have made sense. But if they have plans to bring Ronda back, yeah. I think it's a perfect finish, Scott. Yeah, you you leave it open, and the fact it came out of nowhere, and Ronda is going to be like rightfully annoyed with it. You see the confusion, or like it kind of makes sense, like. Her whole thing is, I'm Ronda Rousey. I don't lose. Like, I did. I just lose there, and that's going to make her more angry if she when she does come back. And I do think it was right that she took the fall. But allegedly, I think Ross posted about this in the group chat that that was maybe the finish. But the fact is, I think they're more annoyed at the referee for not noticing. Like you said, you should have restarted it, or you should have done a redone of it. Mm-hmm. 
but the whole referee's whole thing is you're just told to count, like regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a screw finishing one that sort of fell flat in terms of the main event because you know it caught everybody by surprise. I thought it was a clever counter. I thought it was a clever way that like that's Ronda's oh, move, yeah. that's Ronda's power move, and Becky's countered it, so Becky's outsmarted. Yeah, like, great counter. Yeah, but I think you know if that was the the main the finish that was meant to happen. You know, it's great because maybe it adds a new dimension to Ronda's character if she decides to come back. And then you could argue that it could lead to a 1v1 with Becky somewhere down the line. Maybe looking back on it now, I think this might have been the better option considering that it can set up for the future because the safe option would have been Becky just tap Charlotte out because then... That would, that would be terrible. What? That would be terrible, I thought. Yeah, Charlotte's that. tapped out, I think. Well, it's happened too much. We've seen Becky. Charlotte. Yeah, that's the thing. It just it's happened too many times, and it, it kind of protects Ronda a bit. So, but having it done this way, it kind of gives Ronda a reason to come out for vengeance in a way. Say, screw the WWE, screw you, Becky. I'm coming after you now. I think with all the talk about the the finishing, uh, Scott said there about the the ref should have redone the pin or you know something like that. If you look at his positioning, one. He couldn't see it from where he was, you know, and we all know that referees kind of control the match almost mm-hmm. to a point. So he's he's probably set up for the finish. That's probably happened. He's not seen it, but also that's kind of on Ronda as well. You know, mm-hmm. if she knows that that's how the match is finishing, why is she arching her back like that? You know what I mean? So I think I, I put that on her. I it's think. kind of a sign of it's a sign of a person who's never. It's a sign of a person yeah. who doesn't like losing and historically has not enjoyed losing out with Big WWE. Big room I got into WrestleMania was um, she was not willing to lose to Becky because of Becky's school on Twitter for about three months. <laughs> or longer than that. Like, since Survivor Series, I think. I think this finish does kind of, it's good because it leaves it open. It's brought his way back into a rematch because you're trying to push this point no more automatic rematches so this is kind of Ronda's way in like I was screwed I deserve I, sh- I shouldn't even have lost I'm technically still a champion and also, I think that's a good way back in because you leave it open it's what WWE does with this that will make it people make, even make people doubt actually maybe this was the plan all along if they do something good with it going forward and it's great the Becky's now the champion and she's going to batter Lacey Evans oh, <laughs> and Stephen can sleep at night to be fair <laughs> Lacey Evans up Right hand, she gave her an hostile. In fact, she did that whole brawl in heels as well. I know. Oh, she looked like Bambi on ice with that. Big credit. Have you tried fighting in heels? Have you? Have you? <laughs> no, no. So I can't imagine how hard it is. But I, do you? I, I would actually put more Dave's on always like that on South Hill Street on a Friday night. So <laughs> that's yeah. a new time. He's wearing heels right now. I know. So um, it's great that we got all those three winning and it made for some great WrestleMania moments. There's some other points actually in the WrestleMania I thought I'd quite like to highlight. Um, Ryan, I'll start go with you in this one. Uh, focus a lot on the tag team division. Uh, we kind of noticed in the last few years the tag team division has been kind of uh, not getting the same credit as kind of deserved, but I looked through some of the ratings of the guys the guys gave on the three tag matches that happened and they got a respect of 3.2, 3.9 and a 3.6. All above average matches. How did the, the women's tag match get scored by me? <laughs> yeah, you gave that a five. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> oh god damn it! Iconic. Not you as well. <laughs> I give it a, like three point five. You gotta be joking me! I, 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 what was that? That was English. We we lost. We, I think we lost a lot of Australian and English viewers in one fell swoop there. Like, <laughs> but I think I gave it three point five. It was only marred by the fact that the fact they had Tamina in it. And uh, watching Tam. watching this back, I watched this by the same time last night, and uh, I thought this really should have been actually a one on one match between Bailey and Sasha v. 
uh, Beth and Natalia, I think, and then do the Iconics later because Beth looked really good in this. Like, she could still go, like, compared to Kurt Angle, anybody can still go. <laughs> Come on, you've seen that match. She's got a point. And the, actually, the spots where it's just those two teams in the ring are actually some of the best. Like, they did the tribute to the, the Heart Foundation with the heart. They had the elbow followed by the frog splash near fall. That was a really good spot. Yeah, but you'd, you wouldn't have got that bit at the end where she's hitting the move on the top rope and then Billy K makes the blind tag. It's, it's You could have done that in Bailey and Sasha's corner and then Sasha could have made a tag and then rolled yeah, Beth up. It's a great victory. Like, for like, the good for the Iconics. I like them. I thought they should have been the first champion. I'm just saying, maybe I thought they should have built it. That's why I didn't go for them in the end. But um, Dave, I'll go you on talking mm-hmm. about this one. The fact that the tag matches all got a decent amount of time, per se, even the one in the pre show, but mm-hmm. the, uh, the revival in Hawkins and Ryder, it just kind of shows when you let the tag division kind of go, they. They can perform to the highest standards. That's why I'm saying it was. Uh, this was what's good about shows like NXT Takeover. You know, you've got so much time to fill. Why not give some of these matches a very fair amount of time, especially with a team like as decorated as the Revival? Who I know it's it's sad to see them on the pre-show because they're such a good team. And but it's I think at the same time it's a really good moment the for pop for Hawkins or for Hawkins oh, and Ryder. Yes, man. <laughs> I mean, it's a great, great moment for them as well, even though... The only thing that makes the P-Show worth watching that match. <laughs> I don't know, the, the Cruiserweight match was, wasn't too bad. Scott, the, Scott missed half that match, to be fair. Well, well, I've, <laughs> watched, fact, I've watched it back. It's good because they're not just spending the first, like, half hour or 45 minutes of the pre-show just on panels and stuff. You know, you've got a two-hour pre-show, get some matches in there. And, you know, they did just that. And I think that sort of helps with pacing as well. The fact they're sort of given like maybe 10 minutes or so to the panel just to warm them up and get a 10 minute match and then just keep it going mm-hmm. it's perfect mm-hmm. uh, right see I'm not sold on on this Hawkins rider thing it's just not for me you know Kurt Hawkins we can all be happy for him he said the, the, the losing streak and he's eventually come through he is rubbish he is boring and he's rubbish Zack Ryder should not be with him I was at WrestleMania 32 when Zack Ryder won the title and he wasn't even in the match. That was a pop. That stadium went insane when Zack Ryder won that. Kurt Hoggins is bringing him down and the revival deserved better. Wow. <laughs> On that note, Ryan, I think... Do you so, think... So, sorry, sorry. I'm out. Oh, right. Do you think this was actually that... It seems like that felt like it was more like a... A dig at the revival rather than a victory for Hawkins and Ryder. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, the, the revival have been through a lot worse before this. Like a year ago, they were getting beaten up by legends. Like they weren't even on last year's Mania. And like, Lucha House Party. A Lucha House Party. Like, God. This is this isn't even the worst thing that's happened to them in the last year. And at least there's some story involved in this. And thankfully, Hawkins and Ryder have held onto the belts longer than 24 hours. It does seem a little suspicious that Hawkins' losing streak ends by beating the revival. Like, like a team that's been consistently buried over the last it's year. It's WrestleMania. Of course, that's where the street. Yeah, that's where streets go to die. Quack, uh, <laughs> it was interesting that your other favourite um, tag team, the Usos, yes. got a retention in this one as well. I thought they, I thought they put in a great. Oh, that match! I loved it, and I've got to talk about my favourite moment was with the bar. Um, now, that I think with. Sheamus doing the 10 beats of the barrel or whatever it's called. Now that in itself, that is tiring work. Like as as a boxer throwing your right arm repeatedly like that and especially the size of his guns, that'll be tiring itself. But 
Wow, Cesaro just spinning ricochet for Here, days. never mind that. Poor ricochet. I know. Uh, How you know, dizzy must you be? Do you know something funny? See, at that moment it was happening, I was actually next to Keenan Kelly, and he was just saying to me, Quack, that is just horrible, that kind of thing, <laughs> because he faced uh, Tyler Bates at Source a few years ago, and he said he's, he's hit, he got airplane spun by Tyler Bates. He did the full thing of he spun him, stopped, uh, did a uh, squat, came back up, spun him, spun him faster, and he said it was horrible. And if you look at Cesaro, he's spinning him for days, and he doesn't even slow down. He stops dead on the hard cam, like he stops right on point for the hard cam, right in the centre, and puts him in a sharpshooter. You can't teach I mean, that. It's, 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 it's crazy to think how that Cesaro and Sheamus create such a great WrestleMania moment and then get universally booed out the building on Raw the next day. <laughs> NASA should be looking at Cesaro to be the next astronaut. Now, can, I, can I also say, why has Cesaro, I know we're talking about Kofi getting his moment, why has Cesaro not had his moment yet? That, that's the, uh, if you're going to put a bet on somebody, that's going to have the next kind of... It's got to be. Yeah. It has to be, yeah. Cesaro Mania running wild, that'd be yep. something else. His uh, only Mania moment was winning the first Andre Battle Royal. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I liked about this Mania... Uh, David while I'm on you was um, we got such an under-reliance we've had so many in the last few years of part-timers yeah if you look throughout the card we had Brock who was technically wrestled for about two minutes Angle's technically a part-timer we got John Cena doing the fuggonomics which oh, that, was that, that, that was magic was so so good we had Batista and Triple H but uh, they had their match themselves and say the Brock one kind of lasted a wee bit so we didn't really have a lot of part-timers on the show which was um, it was one of the best WrestleManias in years. And this camp kind of hammers the point home about a lot of fans, you know, criticism of WrestleMania that, you know, you get too many legends and part timers and you're sort of moving away from your sort of regularly featured talent. <laughs> you know, you, you obviously got to get a couple of legends in there maybe to sell maybe a big marquee match like Triple H and Batista or have a few sort of legend spots, you know, like with Thugonomics Cena. I actually really enjoyed the Triple H Batista match, not only because it was like. Obviously, it's no holds barred, so you're going to get some pretty crazy spots. Like, but the oh, the one that really made me wince was the the bit where he got the the tweezers and he pulled the it nose ring. Tweezers, David. It was pliers. Pliers, whatever. <laughs> he got the, the pliers and pulled the nose ring straight off his nose. And I'm thinking, oh, this, this makes me question if you actually use uh, pliers for your tweezers. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this told me that Triple H got the saw and Man Max box sets for his Christmas because his entrance and then this. Oh, and then he did the and he had the spot with the chain earlier on as well, doing a bit of chain wrestling there. You used that joke at the weekend. Um, I'm moving away from you, Ryan. Uh, John Cena in the last couple of days has said um, his words were, "This show shows why WWE do not need me anymore." The Yankees never been right more right. Yes and no. I don't think it needed John Cena to have a match <laughs> because the card, like, like we say, it's probably the best mania there's been in years. So I don't think he needed a John Cena match. I do feel that WrestleMania needs a John Cena moment though at every every single year, whether he's wrestling or not. Mm. Um, I think you do need him because he's he's the biggest name in wrestling. Let's be honest, and he's always going to be. You know, he's he's up there with Undertaker, Rock, Stone Cold. You know, he's he's one of the top guys that there's ever going to be. So, I think a John Cena moment was good. I think the John Cena moment we got was even better. Oh, it was great. Oh. I- 
I saw a great meme of the the pictures. Something was it saying as a kid going, um, uh, "Dad, why is John, why is John Cena dressed like that?" And the dad just like the dad crying. The doctor's back, the doctor's son. Back, son. Oh, <laughs> the I love this. Back. Like to me, this was better than what would have happened if he came out of Wrestle Angle because like we're all watching this mm-hmm. little Babe Ruth thing. Like we're British, we don't know what we don't know baseball. We're like what is this even going? And then. The, the music hits you just see thugging on with all the giant screen like oh yes and for me I felt like it's, I felt like I was watching Smackdown back in 04 when he was at his peak like oh, oh 04 it brings you back to Wrestlemania 20 15 years ago oh, you've seen, yeah. seen him kicked off the, sh- the match with the big show and the crowd loved him although I did find it a little bit ironic that the fact he's a, a Boston Red Sox fan and it's sort of echoing the words of uh, Mr. Phillips, CM Punk Brooks, where it says, You've become what you hate. You've become the New York Cena, Yankees. Fucking Cena always wore the whole. Because yeah, he, he, he was wearing a Yankees jersey in MetLife Stadium. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a little bit sort of. Uh, what's the word? Like. Ironic. Took you that long to figure out ironic? Iconic. It's <laughs> ironic. <laughs> ironic. <laughs> ironic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the so, so good. Uh, but it's, it's a positive sign for the future that we had barely any part-timers. As you said, Ryan, seeing as I did his bit, didn't really he beat up Elias. Elias is the best guy you have to beat up. That's his character. You know? Also, we're talking about, talking about part-timers. The fact that we've never seen Undertaker. Until the next night. <laughs> I, but at all at WrestleMania, I thought, I thought he was going to come out at some point mm. um, during the, the night. But... Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What's going on with Taker's hair, to be honest with you, though? He has oh, to shave that he's, off. He's gone from... He's gone his from hairline the, is back. And this is coming from me. He's, he's gone... <laughs> he's, he's gone from the Frieder Crane hairline to Baron Corbin just before he shaved his head. Like if you insist on bringing Taker back, put him in a bloody hair match or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> he used to be sat doing, look, Mark, it's not working anymore. Shave it, there's no shame, you might look good with it. Now, with, um, the, other, the other three main points, the, the fan favourites, the tag wrestling, the part-timers I wanted to talk about. Now, I'm going to actually, as I said at the start of the show, and we talked about during the takeover, man, we all rated these matches out of five. Mm-hmm. It's time to try and see what we kind of gave us our, you know, our, our actual scores for these matches, uh, mm-hmm. Mr Meltzer. Uh, judge as you wish, if you are listening. Big fan of the show. Big, <laughs> big fan of the show. Um, Especially loved my Indies one. He loves all that. Uh, the pre-show was very split. Um, there was a 3.3 for Tony Nice and Buddy Murphy and a 3.2 for the Tag Team Championship matches. However, both the Battle Royals got less than two. Mm. You think that's a fair assumption? Yeah. yeah. Although, it, it was really satisfying to see Braun Strowman literally go beast mode and kill everybody. As somebody pointed out on Sunday, I didn't know one of the guys from the Saturday Night Live tour was an American Pie. He was one of the Stifflers. Mm-hmm. Was he actually? But mind you, he's one of the more forgettable ones when the spin-offs. Oh, yeah, I think he's like a fan camp. I, he's not yeah. a real Stifler, it's more of a mad great uncle Stifler <laughs> now, um, type guy. Now, the main show, I'm going to rate the matches back away, you know, from the lowest score to the highest score, so um, it was a 2.1 for Samoa Joe Rey Mysterio. It lasted a minute. I love the fact that it lasted only a minute. It was, as, it was as good as what it was, but you can't really rate. It's hard to rate I know, but like, It helps it got, Joe a bit, definitely. <laughs> I see what you're about to say. It got Joe over, and like, at that time morning, I want a squash match, I want to go to my bed. Yeah, I was quite, I was quite happy about that one. Um, we had a 2.4 for Kurt Angle and Barry Corbin. I didn't mind it. I honestly didn't mind that. Again, it was as good as it short. was going to get. Thankfully, short. Uh, I, did, I honestly did not mind that match at all. What were you thinking, Kirk, going for a insult? You've not had that since you had hair. We had a 2.5 jointly for Drew and Roman Reigns and Finn Balor and Lashley. Uh, to a lot of people, the Drew Reigns match disappointed. 
Mm. I think it's fair to say, I mean, who, um, Ryan, you gave us a four. I quite enjoyed that match. I, you know, I, I don't know if it maybe was the the atmosphere um, where I was watching it. You know, we were in, in Maggie Mays with, you know, me and Quacker were there, a couple of pals. All the ICW, All the ICW boys were there as well. At one point, uh, Jester was up on the stage filming himself during Drew's entrance the whole crowd was you know the whole pub was going mental for him so I think that may have added to it um, but we were right behind it I do have to say because we were in the next day reactions we were very down on it especially like Alan and that but uh, I actually having watched it back I don't mind it as much it's actually better watching back the second time and apparently from what I've heard the boos were actually there were some people at the top trying to start a wave and it was the crowd saying to tell them like stop it watch the bloody match this is the fact that happened and having during Roman's comeback and actually when you watch it when he does the whole ooh but uh, there are a lot of big chunk of the crowd doing it along with him yeah I mean um it's you're probably the same guys who were chatting AEW in the main event uh, on Raw. <laughs> uh, it's probably the same guys who were doing that. Um, Just a bunch of marks, yeah. Uh, a three point yeah. two on AJ and Orton. I think that was I, I, that was the hard spot in the match. Yeah, I mean, following the Universal Championship match, that was a belter. That was a bit of a. That and people couldn't see. Yeah, we got better, we got better view than the guys in the I've got to say, I did love on SmackDown after Randy Orton RKO'd uh, oh. Ali. He was, when he was walking away, he was shielding his eyes as if he couldn't see. Yeah, he was mocking him. that funny. Yeah, because it was like. A, a, like a bright light was shining on like a bit of the crowd yeah and they were like that's why there was so much booing and stuff because he, were... he apologised on Instagram on WWE's behalf which was way like amazing it was, it, 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 it was really really good of him to actually do that there was a, a 3.4 Triple H Batista I liked it I liked it too yeah. I liked it but I, I, long. it was a really good note and I like the spot where he, he, he sort of leaps on the stairs and hits him with the sledgehammer good. like Superman punch style mm. good finish but as Scott you just said it probably went on too long could yeah. have done a bit less about my favorite, 10 minutes less my favourite spot was uh, Triple H doing the RVD cell of the DDT on uh, the oh, on uh, the uh, like the squad filling full plank of wood mm, like pretty much right. oh yeah right on the stairs pretty much vertical um, um, sore uh, a 3.6 for the women's tag team title match helped by Ryan's 5 <laughs> <laughs> great moment it was actually a really good tag team match I think it's fair to say as we've said there, there was some I, thought it was, I actually thought the match was brilliant yeah, peaks troughs and you know levelling out I think this was one of those sort of levelled out ones uh, a 3.7 on Rollins and Brock uh, again it was short it was sweet mm-hmm. it was a very good opener it did what it had to do it got yep. the crowd going it was very well booked despite being you know just 2 minutes I know you made a point here about my scores being quite high for some <laughs> matches. Just to explain why, I am easily pleased. See, <laughs> see if a match gives me what I want from the match. You know, that, that Lesnar and, and Rollins match, I didn't want to see them wrestling for 15 minutes. No. I wanted to see them come in and beating utter hell out of each other. Lesnar done it, Rollins pretty much snuck it. So... It was perfect. You like you like getting what you want. You must have loved Triple H Batista. Did you not get that five stars? Uh, just six. To, just to say what you were saying about you know you really you say you gave Roman and Drew like four. Do you think? I don't know. It feels like maybe the atmosphere you're in it kind of has an effect on how you respond to a match. Of course, probably. probably, yeah. Yeah. probably we're all, we're all in good atmospheres. We're more than watch uh, ourselves. But so you know, but it was the, four in the I just felt the reaction like when we were watching it, Gary's. It didn't. That, that just was felt Dave's a bit. official trip advisor of your Gary Kernahan's gaff. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed a little bit anticlimactic <laughs> from, from my. It lacked atmosphere. <laughs> Three stars. <laughs> we had a, a 3.9 on the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. 
Uh, we all agree that was a really good match, actually. Uh, one we've not talked about in this segment so far, four, st- four out of five for the Miz vs. Shane. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, mm. Amazing. What entertainment this was. This was great. Miz's dad was amazing. Oh, Miz's dad. It is. Five out of five for Miz's dad. <laughs> See all the memes that we got about God, the streak is over. <laughs> i seen somebody put the Miz's dad at the start of Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas, just before you, just before you get on the bike. Guys like that. <laughs> Ready to fight. Miz's dad is that guy in Grand Theft Auto where you steal his car and he thinks he can get wide until you pull out the gun. <laughs> He's Mr. Potato Headed this, for years. This match sadly coincided with the the, the, the WrestleMania party we were out of the pizzas arriving. Yeah. It coincided with that moment, so it was um, we got a lot of the matches. Did you have pigs and blanket? No, we did not have pigs and blanket. We weren't at Dave's. <laughs> How late did you get pizzas? Uh, I ordered a half one. We ordered them a half one. It was a long night. Just <laughs> not buy pizzas in, in advance. Yeah, but they were ordered in advance, but they were ordered for half one. Oh, okay. We also had Swedes and Doritos and everything. Uh, <laughs> okay, man, it was a right laugh. Uh, 4.4 for the main event. Becky, yep. Charlotte, yep. Ronda. It was a good match. It was very good. It probably, from a live perspective, they probably suffered from they were watching the full show. From us, I think we got the second win because we knew it was coming. They fortunately, as we said earlier, they paced the show well enough that they had Angle Corbin and Balor Lashley just before this. Yeah. So the crowd had their come down and then they thought... Boom! Here's the match we all want to see. Let's send them out on a high, and let's send them. Let's send them out on a high. Thankfully, they did. And the match of the night was a 4.7 out of five, which we rated higher than Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, which shows how good the match effect it actually had was Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. It's just easy. Wow! It, as you said, Ryan does the job that we wanted it to do. I think there was the two potential spanners in the work we could have had. Kofi losing or the U-Day turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got neither, which Thank was quite satisfying. I think having neither was probably best, actually, mm-hmm. considering that everybody was on such a high. It was, it, yeah, that was definitely my match tonight. I gave it five. I don't know about you guys, but I would say like it's good that the women may have entered. It was the right time, like right people involved to have the women event. But any other show, any other year, this probably would have been the main event and it would have been a fitting main event, especially for the finish. But do you think it probably would works better that we had it in the middle? Because it was still yeah, I relatively think the, early. I think the fact that that was in the middle, that is what created more doubt. This could have been the one that they swerved on and Brian could retain because they aren't going to have it in the opening because that will kill the crowd for the rest of the show. And the main event, you don't want to send people boo in the main event for like the fourth or fifth year in a row. So the middle one could have been where they brought people down. So again, peaks and troughs, you know, yeah. you get a high point at the start, a sort of bit low-key in the middle, a nice peak in the middle, mm-hmm. and then you finish on a peak as well. I think it goes back to what we were saying, though, about what you're up against. You know, like Scott said, any other, other year, this match headlines, but I think if you're pacing out a WrestleMania because it's such a long day, you've got the big one at the start, the big one in the middle, and then the ultimate big one at the end, when, you're, when people are getting a wee bit tired and you think, we need to keep something that's going to get people going, like us, across, especially as across here watching it at that time in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to put your massive, massive match on that's going to cut through any sleep that anybody needs to get and totally hook them. So I think they've done it spot on. Didn't work, didn't work for Derek, he went in. Yeah, uh, he, he was done in. Uh, so we, when you average all these up, we gave this 3.37, which was a good WrestleMania. I think it was maybe, it probably could have got higher, but there was those kind of short matches which mm-hmm. even though we liked them yeah. we, st- we you couldn't really score them high because of what they were you know but um, 
I'll quickly go around the panel as we kind of close off this show. Um, I personally think it's the best Mania since WrestleMania 31. Dave, what's your thought? I agree, yeah, definitely the best since maybe 30 or 31. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. Scott? Yeah, definitely one of the best since then and probably one of the best in the last 10 or so years. Mm-hmm. Quacky? Yeah. You, you, you could have had just Kofi winning and you would have oh, yeah. said that one, you know. Oh, yeah. I remember, sorry, I remember we said at the time, like, it's saying that during the show, like, if you, me, it doesn't matter if, like, if you don't get, like, other people you want want to win in other matches, like, if it didn't matter if, like, Corbin won, I think as long as those three results happened, anybody could have won, like, nine to me, I probably could have won, and people still would have went home happy because of Becky and Kofi and Stephen. Okay, maybe I can start. Maybe I can start too far. Too far, Scott. If you look at it, you know, there was... I don't know, I have to one. Some of the main signs I saw in the crowd were Iconics, The Man, Kofi Mania... Boston Hug. Boston Hug. So you had to kind of go between those ones and they all won there wasn't anyone like I think if we had a Wrestlemania where we had Nia and Tamina winning Nia and Tamina winning and Nia and Tamina winning mm-hmm. <laughs> see, you, see you're, so, you're so happy about the Iconics winning we had to console poor Lucy after that oh, match oh god Lucy Ross might say well not as bad as Ross from what I'm hearing well I, I, to, to, to conclude our Wrestlemania um, review show we're going to call out this sick sadistic McLeod uh, Ross McLeod the panellist on our show um was very, very ecstatic about the Iconics winning. However, so much so that that, that young Lucy, who's an occasional panellist on the show on an all-women show, and daughter of panellist Gary Kerman, uh, the biggest Bailey fan you'll ever meet, Ross was so, sitting next to her, was so ecstatic at Iconics, he went, Come on, Iconics! Right next to Did he do it to her face? He was pretty much like, he was sitting next to her. close enough. Sitting next to her, he was just like, Yes! The views of Ross McLeod do not reflect those of the McLeod family. <laughs> So, yes, I would like to call Oh, Ross. the coffee went did cheer her up eventually, so that was... And the Doritos Ross gave her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then she came down from the main event with a Ronda Rousey t-shirt on, you're like, oh, no, it's mm. not. Mm. At least she's a man fan as well, which I'm helps. I'm glad she gets shouted at. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, uh, I'll take that back, I'm sorry. It's, it's been a great mania. We, we talked a lot about mania there because... Um, we usually talk about the Raw and the SmackDown, but it was a very low-key Raw and SmackDown, but we'll get a lot of insight into what's happening in the next year and the next week when we have the Superstar Shake-Up, yeah. and we could see people going anywhere. Uh, we never know what's going to happen. But on that note, it's a perfect time to end off our WrestleMania weekend review. We have talked about three of the biggest uh, events of the weekend in the space of 90 minutes. If we talked about all the wrestling that happened over that week... We would be here for a long, long, long time. We've been 30 minutes on the fact that Hornswoggle Fox got Steiner at some point this weekend. I'm gutted we never spoke about that. <laughs> I'm just glad we didn't. <laughs> we talking about that? It was your match of the weekend. <laughs> Hello, WWE Mark here. <laughs> well, it's got two former WWE guys in it. Hornswoggle! Last. I, I couldn't care less about Hornswoggle. On that note, uh, so we'll talk about what's going to be happening in the next coming weeks. Uh, we're going to be going away from WrestleMania for a wee bit, and next week we're going to be talking about the career of Kurt Angle. Now that he's officially retired from in-ring action, we're going to talk about all the best bits of his career, all the great matches. If there's no mention of the milk truck, I will be seriously unhappy. That's so, quite a mess in itself. I know, so um, stay tuned for that next week. And the week afterwards, we're going to be talking about wrestlers in the mainstream media. So that's going to be wrestlers in TV, wrestlers in movies. We're going to, there's a lot of fun apparently planned out for that show. So listen to that. That's the things we've got coming up in the next couple of weeks. Next week, Ross McLeod will be hosting the Cut Angle Show and Sarah will be hosting the mainstream show recorded on her birthday. She will tell us until the end of days. And she will cry. (laughs) (laughs) 
free things in life guaranteed. <laughs> Death taxes and Sarah Grave cries. <laughs> uh, I'm with Stephen Wilson. I'd like to thank my panel this evening. First of all, David Topney. Thank you. Uh, Ryan Gallagher, thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Scott McLeod. Thank you. Quacky Reggie. Pleasure is all yours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week where we talk about the creator cut angle. Thank you and good night. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions, get on it right now. Sports Social Podcast Network.